0: You're probably aware that Father Mitch ran a marathon this weekend. Um, and the, as soon as I heard that he was running a marathon, as probably, I hope I'm not the only one who thought this, the first thought I had, there's no way I'm ever running a marathon. That's something that I would never be able to do no matter what. And let me list you all the reasons why I'm never going to be able to run a marathon. Um, X, Y, Z, whatever, whatever, whatever. There's no way I'm going to be able to do that. Um, the more I sat with it, the more I, th- I thought about that, and the more I thought about these readings and kind of listened to what Father Mitch talked about last week, kind of, we were talking about his homily, um, I believe there's something in, underneath that, that I think the Lord is bringing up in these readings. Um, because he, last week I think he compared Advent to like a race, right? And it can kind of feel like um, from now till Christmas is like perhaps the most intense time of the year in addition to all of the holiday things that we've got to do, it's also finals time and all these other things. Everything kind of crunches up together, and I'm going to blink, and before I know it, it's going to be Christmas, and I'm going to think, wow, that was a horrible Advent. I barely entered into Advent. It's already Christmas. Like, that, that, that was the worst. I'm never going to be able to do this well. I'll try again next year. I'll try that later, right? With all the reasons to kind of discredit why I would be able to do that well. As I was sitting with this, um, this gospel today, the way that it begins actually kind of struck me in that same vein, because you notice Saint Luke as we begin the gospel today, he lists all these rulers and names of all these important people in the time. That is actually pretty revealing. So what he does first, he says, "In the time of it was uh, Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, he's uh, Herod and Philip and all the rulers of the area of Jerusalem." He's basically listing in that all of the Roman emperors, and he's not—he doesn't skip anybody. He has every level of government. Of this is the Roman emperor, and the, and the governor, and the tetrarch, and this one, and that one. He's listing everybody, and it's almost like he's very at pains to remind the people of Israel, the, the Jewish people who would be reading this, that Jew—the uh, Jewish people, Jerusalem, Judea—was not free. They were under Roman occupation. They were an oppressed people. They had no control over their government. They were ruled by foreigners, by outsiders, not the way the Lord wanted. Right? So there's that. Then he begins, then he goes on to say, in the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, which is also weird because there's always only one high priest. He's the high priest. There's one of them. Philip, I mean, Luke says there's two high priests, Annas and Caiaphas. Because what had happened was, the Romans came in and to kind of assert their authority even over the religious practice of the people, they took Annas, the rightful high priest, they deposed him and put their own person, Caiaphas, as the high priest. So a lot of the Jewish people recognized Annas is the real one, Caiaphas is the fake one who's actually, who, who, who was actually forced into power by the Roman occupation. So Luke is even lifting that up as like, even our religious practice isn't free. Even that is kind of influenced and twisted by, by the Romans. There's nothing in this world that we're in that... The, you want to list all the reasons why things are going wrong? X, Y, Z. That's what Luke is doing. He's given all the reasons why everything is messed up, why God is not fulfilling his promises, why there's, there's no reason why anything should go well in this kind of a world and in this kind of a society. But say St. Luke, right after he lists all the reasons why everything's wrong... The next thing he says is the Word of God came into that. The Word of God came into this world that nothing nothing was going right. Nothing should have been set up to receive the Word, but the Word of God came into that. And we hear this figure of the Word of God coming through the preaching of John the Baptist. We hear every, if you notice, every Advent, we hear about this figure of St. John the Baptist. And he shows us that in the midst of why, here's all the reasons why everything should be wrong, why I shouldn't be able to to do X, Y, or Z, whatever it is, whatever the thing that I'm talking myself out of is, the Word of God comes into that. And John the Baptist comes to bring the presence of God into that. And I think John the Baptist gives us, a he lifts up a question in, in in his message and in his preaching that's very telling and important for us, to go back to the running analogy that Father Mitch used last week. John the Baptist is going to lift up this question of where, precisely, am I going? Where am I running to? Because whether we like it or not, all of us, right here, right now, are in a race. We are running. We are moving somewhere. And whether we realize it or not, there's there's a destination that we're headed towards. It's impossible in this life to be stationary, to not be moving in some direction. We're going somewhere. And if we don't pay attention to where we're going chances are we're going to end up somewhere that we don't want to be and we never actually intended to be. But I lose sight of where I'm going, especially when everything's a mess. When everything's a mess, I'm way more prone to say, oh well, I tried, and I just kind of throw all caution to the wind. And it's precisely in that kind of a situation that John the Baptist comes and lists up this question of where am I going? Because the message that he gives, we heard in the Gospel today, is very specific. John the Baptist came to preach a message of repentance and forgiveness of sins. He came to preach this message of repentance. This question of where I'm going. And when I hear the words, John the Baptist is always repent and prepare the way of the Lord, believe in the Gospel. When I hear the word repent, a lot of times my first reaction is like, you're doing bad things, stop doing bad, repent, stop come back to the good way, right? It's almost like I'm, you're getting fussed at. When someone tells you to repent, it's like you're getting fussed at. You've got to be corrected. That's kind of like the surface level way But as I hear that word, that's the kind of tone that I hear um, in that message. But if you look at the word, if John the Baptist preached the words of the prophet Isaiah, he's not coming, he comes boldly, but not with this like, I'm fussing at you kind of a mentality. He comes with a deep desire Notice it says, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. John the Baptist is inviting us to repent because he has a deep desire that every single person that he would encounter, every single person in the whole world, would be able to receive the Lord. He doesn't want anything to get in the way of God coming into our hearts. And so he's going to say repent, by that he means not... It's like get rid of everything that could possibly hinder you from receiving the greatest gift and the greatest love that you could ever hope or imagine. The opening prayer for Matt today said, Let no earthly undertaking, let nothing hinder us from setting out to meet Jesus. Or from allowing Jesus to come into our hearts that we're preparing for. And so he says, let every mountain be made low, let every valley be filled up, make everything ready so that in every aspect of our lives and every aspect of our hearts, we can receive this one great love, this one great gift of God coming into our lives. That's the deep desire that St. John the Baptist has. The word repentance, if you look at it like literally is a word, it literally means to change direction. That's what that word means. And so John the Baptist is inviting us to reflect Where in my life do I need to change my direction so that I can be facing and turn towards the one, the only thing that actually matters, the only thing that's actually going to satisfy? Where in my life do I need to recommit and reorient myself? Because a lot of times, it's it's our fallen human nature, we're drawn to a lot of things that seem to be good. There's all kinds of goods that we encounter every single day all around us. Very good things. The reality of sin and the reason why sin is such a struggle is not because it's bad, because nobody does bad things. We don't, if, it's, if something's bad for us, we know we're not going to do it. I'm not going to drink the poison because I know it's poison. The reason why I struggle with sin is because it masquerades, it pretends to be something good. It says, this is going to help. This is going to make you feel better. This is going to help you to overcome X, Y, or Z. This is going to be a good thing. When in actuality, that's just a surface-level reality. Eventually, that, that, that luster, that flare is going to fade. Eventually, I'm going to realize there's something more that's not being satisfied. And I'm, it, it's, going to, it's going to fade away, and I'm going to be left anxious, confused, alone, hurt, and longing for more. John the Baptist desires us to place and to, to, to completely reorient my heart and every aspect and every part of my heart towards the only thing and the only person that's going to actually satisfy. The only person who's, who's they, the, the scriptures say, is ever ancient yet ever new. There's always a newness. There's always more. There's always a greater depth. That's what we're doing here today and in this season is continually reminding ourselves and continually preparing our hearts to receive that one person? Do I believe that that one person is actually enough, that if I reorient my entire life to him, that I will find the satisfaction, the longing, the peace that my heart is searching for? John the Baptist is inviting us today, as we continue into the season of Advent, to reflect on that question of where am I running? And do I actually want to run there? And what do I need to do to go to where I actually want to be going? Is my life headed in the way that I want it to be? Or do I need to change some aspect of my life? Do I need to allow the Lord into some area of my heart that I've been keeping him out of? Because the reality is, the message of repentance, it's never too late for that. It's easy to say, it's already the second week of Advent. The first week of Advent was the worst. I'll try again next year, right? Conversion, I should have done that yesterday. We're easily drawn to yesterday. Or I'll do that next year, next time, tomorrow, towards the future. We're always drawn there, either to the past or to the future. But repentance, is always; it only happens today. God only always encounters us today. So where is my heart? Where am I facing today on December 5th, 2021? Where is my heart oriented today? And where today do I need to recommit to allow the Lord to come into this area? Where do I need to let go of so that nothing can hinder me from receiving Jesus, who desires to come into my heart? What today, right now, tonight, is God asking me to do? Because I promise there's an answer to that question. What is God asking you to do today? That we can prepare our hearts to receive him most fruitfully and most fully. Amen.